0: Welcome to the third episode of the Frontend Greatness Podcast. I'm your host, AP Koponen, and today we will be talking about rendering on the server. My guest today is Frederick Höglund. Frederick is the creator of two React Server rendering libraries, React Aldrin and React Lightyear. Fredrik has built multiple applications where server rendering has been crucial. Currently, he works as a front-end lead at Pricerunner, a shopping comparison service available in Sweden, Denmark, and the UK. Hi, Fredrik. Hi
1: there, AP. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you came. Today, we will be talking about rendering on the server. And the first question is, what should every front-end developer know about rendering on the server?
1: No, that's a good question. Um, when you say it like that, that what should every front-end developer know? Not that much, I think. I mean, there are things that are really important for for everyone to know, I think, and, and that's the capabilities and the trade-offs of server rendering versus client rendering. like. What do you get from just client rendering? And, and what do you miss out on when you only render on the client? So there are trade-offs involved, of course, um, when you build any application. And uh, this is a trade-off most people do upfront with their applications. It can be hard to, to change this decision later. You can do it, of course, but but it's it's a pain often. Um, so it's server rendering is a tool like any other tool. Uh, and and it's important for every developer, I think, to to know what that tool does, uh, what it's for, and when you sh- should reach for that tool in your toolbox. But you don't necessarily have to know, like exactly how to use this this tool until you need it. Uh, by then, you'll you'll research it. Um, so I guess um, that's what everyone should know. But of course, there's a lot more that that are for some people to know. I guess.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I completely agree. Um, I think it's super important, though, for every front end developer to know that there are situations where you absolutely need to support rendering your app on the server. Because uh, I've seen projects where the team has realized they need to render the React application or whatever front end application on the server just a few weeks before deployment. Uh, i i remember like uh, this big rewrite for a big uh uh uh, enterprise and the the one of the guys in the in the team we were just chatting in the in the coffee room and then i asked like uh how about like you know uh see like uh ceo like how how are you going to serve it to the to the uh, to Google or other search engines, and then the he go he went like, oh, they had been working on the site like for six months, and and no one had thought about it. And basically, what happens there is that you don't have the time to you know make it work properly. So you need to do something where the 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 end result is is suboptimal.
1: Yeah, I actually think today you should probably go with server rendering as a default because even if you do server render and with server rendering right now i'm talking about like in the broad sense both static site generation and server rendering just any any way you can get html to the client right away before waiting for the javascript to load Uh, so i'm using it in the broad sense now but I, i think basically every react application today should use some form of server rendering even if it's just to render a small app shell and then load all the like uh, dynamic content on the client later um and and you should probably go with something like next or uh you should probably go with next actually for 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 any page for exactly that reason that you mentioned it's hard to add later and and um, you never know when when those things pop up like seo or performance or Like uh, social media uh, previews and and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. The tooling has improved so much. I actually have written uh, an article or a blog post on how you can disable SSR on Next.js. So you know you can start with it and then you you can disable it if you if if your app really doesn't need it. Um, And I think that the three things when you absolutely need. Server-side rendering, or as as you said, like CEO, and, and uh, like people always say, well, Google can, can render JavaScript. Yes, it can, but if you want to rank high, it you know you need to do server-side rendering. And so so it, it will work without it, but it, you know if you really want to be seen in in search results, there's no other option but to ser- do server-side rendering. And the other thing is supporting crawl- crawlers, so social media previews, Slack, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And, and as you said, like sometimes you get speed optimizations. It, it can help some specific situations.
1: Yeah, exactly. About uh, search engine optimization, by the way, we've done a lot of tests uh, at Pricerunner around this, uh, and especially when, when Google started ramping up uh, JavaScript crawling, um, and I'm not sure about ranking high nowadays. Uh, you can probably rank high without server rendering, but, but they crawl much less often with uh, without uh, server rendering. So if you don't have server rendering, your content is not going to get crawled as often or up- updated as often, which is going to hurt search engine optimization, of course. So. But on the other hand, if you have content that updates very slowly, that maybe never updates, uh, maybe that's fine today with Google. But Google isn't the only search uh, search engine either, or the only crawler. There are lots of different types of crawlers out there. But uh, f- we've done a lot of experiments with, with update speed and stuff like that, and, and it definitely helps with uh, with server rendering still.
0: Okay, that, that's like a, a really interesting thing to learn. I think my context is, is like, especially like from the perspective of maybe publishing news or, or stuff like that. So that's something like where, where it is super important to be fast on the results. And if you're not you know, quickly there, then you won't rank high. But that's a good thing to know that it doesn't prevent you from ranking high if your content doesn't update all that often.
1: Yeah, if you have a if you can wait for a week or something.
0: Yeah. So, so now we know why, but then what approaches there are for rendering apps on the server? Is Next.js the only option in the world nowadays? No, no. I mean, I think we
1: have to to separate ways to render and and tools or frameworks you can use to do it. Next supports uh, several different ways, as you mentioned, you can even go without server rendering in next. Um, and the nice thing about next specifically just to dive into that is that you can choose this per page type. Uh, so that there's also kind of that dimensions. So it's kind of three different dimensions, I guess. Uh, but to answer your question around like what are the different approaches to server rendering, uh, like you could do it without React, of course, server rendering is how the web has always worked but, uh, with React, you can do it dynamically. <clears throat> That's what you usually call server rendering. Um, you do it when the request comes in, and maybe you cache that. So, uh, you, but you still do it the first time when the first request comes in, and then you either cache it or you you don't cache it. You can cache it for a short time or for a long time, and, and so on. Um, the other way, I guess, is um, static site generation. You can generate the HTML when you build the page, uh, as opposed to when the request comes in. So you generate the HTML ahead of time and host it uh, in any static uh, uh, hosting, basically as a actual HTML files.
0: <clears throat> so like on a CDN or then FTP to a, a server?
1: Exactly. Uh, or S3 or or whatever you, you want to use, really. Um, and then you have... Um, like pre-rendering uh, or pre-rendering is uh, is a tricky term because it's used a bit differently depending on who you ask. But you can um, use a headless browser to uh, to visit your site and generate HTML uh, from the client version of your site. and maybe that that's what your teammate or or your colleague should have should have done when there were just one week until release. At that point, it might be too late to to uh, try to to rewrite the entire architecture to to support server rendering. But you can still use a headless browser to generate HTML from the client-only version of, uh, of React. Maybe you only do that for bots and serve that for for crawlers, for example, if if that's what what you need.
0: I think that's actually just what they ended up doing. So they and it, it's like a few years back. Uh, so it. They, I think that they they used Phantom JS, and it was exactly so that they only rendered uh, the full HTML for the uh, crawlers, and there are of course services nowadays like pre-render IO. I think is one of the most popular ones that do this for you. So they have rules that exclude all other um, uh, visitors than search engines from from, from the server rendering.
1: That's that's interesting. I haven't done that much myself.
0: Yeah, I think that's like the like the last option. Like that that's the uh, from my perspective, that's like if you don't have any other way of doing this this like because it, it, it like I think the first time like some old school web people heard about it, I think they were like like you know galaxy brain like i'm i'm using a chrome browser on the server to render the html for for my you know users so it's it sounds like stupid but there are cases where that's kind of the the like the only option but from my perspective that's the last option if you don't have anything else available that's what you go with
1: i agree but also whatever works whatever you have time for of course um and then, of course, there's um, there's this new new thing, this React server components thing uh, that is uh, an experimental RFC that was just posted, or just it was just before Christmas actually. React server components doesn't exist yet, or an experimental version does, and you can play around with it today. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes, I guess. Um, there's there's a blog post and a video, and then. An, uh, experimental repo you can look at, and uh, it basically blurs the line between the server and the client. Uh, and you can have server components that will always only run on the server. So even if if you navigate to a new page, for example, after the first page load, those components are going to get rendered on the server. Um, so there's going to be a new request in the background kind of uh, for both that uh, markup and, and any data you need for that new page. So in a sense, every page becomes server-rendered or part of every page becomes server-rendered if you wanted to, but not really server-rendered because you still have, like, it's not a total refresh of all the client states. So you keep things like scroll position and, and stuff like that still, like in, in a traditional SPA. So it's, it really, really blurs the lines between client and server. And I think Dan Abramov had a tweet quite a long time ago now, maybe a year back, saying exactly that like the lines are going to get blurred between the server and the client or something along those lines, that the future is being able to move the work between the client and the server depending on what makes sense. So if you have uh, heavy data requests coming in or... S- happening in in serial, or if you use uh, very big libraries to process data or something like that, maybe you can do that only on the server and not bloat the bundle sizes for the client and avoid waterfall requests and and things like that. So that's exciting, but, but doesn't exist yet.
0: How is it different from the current SSR that we're doing?
1: Very good question. The very first render that you do, like the first request, you can still server render the entire page and the entire markup. So that first, very first request doesn't change much. Uh, But the big difference here is that right now with traditional server rendering, when you click to the next page, all that happens on the client. So you have to load the JavaScript for the entire next page and and render that on the client um, for that to work. With server components, parts of the next page are going to render entirely on the server, and you don't have to send the JavaScript at all to the client. So that reduces bundle sizes. But the other exciting thing is how this uh, relates to to suspense, actually. and using suspense for data fetching. Like this is the missing puzzle piece for that in a sense, because something uh, Facebook has been working a lot on since they started using server rendering, which they haven't done for super long, uh, is how do we avoid waterfalls, request waterfalls? So if you make one request and then you can start the next request until that comes in, that's a waterfall. And that's very, very bad for for performance. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to wait for one request to come in with data that you need to use to make the next request. And if you do that from the client and the client has a very long latency, that's going to be very, very bad for performance. So you need some way to flatten out those request waterfalls. Or if you have to have them, make them less hurtful. And uh, Relay and GraphQL was Facebook's solution to this, and that's, that's what they use internally to, to avoid waterfalls. But using server components, you can make both of those requests on the server instead. And the server has a lot less latency, usually, to the, to the other backends that deliver the data. So you can uh, at least lessen the impact of those request waterfalls. So it's very good for performance, uh, but it's also kind of a new mental model um i'm not sure if that answer answers the question it's it's pretty complex to cover without uh, you if you're interested you should really watch the video and read the blog post of course uh but that's the the tldr I, I guess
0: yeah i think you know that that makes a lot of sense um i think like one difference from my perspective also between the tradition like the Next.js style of SSR, or you know the you know the more traditional SSR uh, with React apps, is that there is a possibility of sending JSON over the wire. So, it, like the uh, React server components uh, renderer produces a this specific kind of JSON that then will be rendered into a React uh, like into the HTML DOM on the client. So it doesn't necessarily require sending the HTML to the uh, to the client at all and, and and as you said like the 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 part where you can uh, leave some parts of the code base like you you don't need to support the both the the server and the client that is also an interesting thing and I think that that's like uh, also like something like for the question like what are you excited about? on react server components like from my perspective that is like the one of the most uh, exciting parts is that you can write components that only need to work on the server because i have some very bad experiences with like uh situations where i need to have a library work both on the server and on the client like because there are two different contexts and it you cannot avoid it creating like additional complexity. Like like you can say that you have these great tools you can deploy to great services like Netlify or Versal or whatever, but nevertheless, your code will always be, you know, it always needs to support both the client and the server. And it causes like, like handling cookies and, and stuff like that. So that, that's something that I'm excited about
1: yeah I, I me too. And one one thing I've run into many times is how Webpack four by default includes polyfills for node libraries. So if you import node libraries in your client bundle code or any code that runs on the client, Webpack four will out automatically polyfill that for you. and those polyfills can be very, very heavy. Um, Webpack 5 doesn't do this anymore which is a good thing um, but, but stuff like that can be avoided as well with server components and the nice thing about server components is also that you can actually access the file system from them they, only, they are guaranteed to only run on the server so you can read from the file system there so if you want to get started with a new React app uh, you don't want to build out an API for it you just want to hard code a few blog posts or you know, use Markdown as, as many people do you can just read those posts from the file system in the server component and that's it. Boom. Uh, so I'm most excited about those things, like how patterns are going to change and and the things we haven't figured out that these unlock yet. I think this is a whole new paradigm uh, that, that we need to figure out. And I think there's there's going to be a lot of new ways of doing things that are going to make, make our lives as developers easier, um, even though the, um, I mean, server components, the concept itself can be complex when you dive into all the details, but the thing is that frameworks like Next are the level of abstractions that we as most of us developers are going to work with, and and Next and other frameworks are are going to make that a lot easier for us. Uh, next has kind of been emulating this with GET uh, server side props for, for a while, uh, which, which is a, like a poor man's version of server components, I guess. But it's, it's also data fetching code that's guaranteed to run only on the server. Uh, it's great, it's awesome, it's a perfect abstraction for where, uh, where we're at today. But React Server Components really is the ne- next level of that. Uh no pun intended.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so, okay. Just one, because this is such a juicy topic. because uh, you know you, you ob- obviously have thought about it. So so, just one last question regarding uh, React server components. Um, what what are the kind of pitfalls that you already kind of? smell that are coming or kind of what are the the challenges in terms of front-end uh, app architecture that you kind of feel that are going to be that need need to be solved once we start using react server components
1: i think the architecture was was the right word there um i think server components so, so to, to Try to explain a little bit more how server components work. Server components can import client components, but client components can't import server components. Client components can render server components, though. And what that means is that you have to render all your server components up front, but they don't need to exist in the same place in the React tree, all of them. You can render a server component and then pass it down via props or context and and things like that. So, uh, like... a a leaf node or a few leaf nodes of your tree can be server rendered, but you have to pass that leaf node down from the top server component, so to speak. So for a long time in server rendering, an issue has been, how do you co-locate your data needs uh, with the components that, that needs the data? And the problem with that is that you kind of need to know tree that you're going to render ahead of time. You can't fetch data while rendering on the server uh, unless you use some hacks or ugly libraries like the ones I've written. Uh, But then you have request waterfalls and stuff like that. But with React Server Components, the answer is you have to know parts of the tree ahead of time and you pass them down through the other three, the full three. so to speak. And that really affects our, the architecture of the app. Um, we're not really used to passing components that deep down to the tree. We're used to passing data throughout our entire tree, but I, I don't think we're that used to passing, like rendering all the components, like a part of parts of the components up, up top and then passing those components down through the other components to render them. And Remix, I think, and React Router really is interesting to look at here because of nested routes. Nested routes seems to me like the perfect, perfect match for server components uh, because the outlets in the new version of React Router uh, is an outlet for whatever nested route was matched on this page, Um and that's kind of the same philosophy as, as server components. So you need to pass things down from up top to to deeper parts of the application. And figuring out how how to architect around that uh, is is a challenge. I think not not a huge one, but uh, it's a little bit different uh, how, how you do that composition, kind of.
0: In the traditional SSR world, uh, you have had to done like all the. Data fetching in in one one function function get initial props or in in the SSG world it's a little different but you know basically this the idea you have one function where you fetch the data uh, and it it hasn't worked like or it involves extra work with for example when you have Redux or something that you know doesn't work directly with promises and stuff like that. And and it also affects like um, how you build the apps. Like one of the biggest apps uh, that I've server side rendered was actually the first React application that I like kind of like the first bigger React application that I wrote. And like although I knew that I was going to server side render it, uh, like right from the start, and I tried to find the people who knew how to do it, and I interviewed them. Um, I still ended up rewriting my server-side rendering logic three times. And one of the big reasons was that uh, for the application, we wanted to have an architecture where individual uh, uh, components could fetch their own data. So we had an e-commerce app. So for example, when we rendered the cart, like where you show how many products you have in the cart, it didn't make sense to have like Every page in the whole application calling like the fetch cart functions or something. So we had a cart component that would then fetch its data, but this would then cause issues with server side rendering. If you'd want to have the cart numbers shown, and and like similar stuff, so you needed to draw a line like where would you stop server side rendering, and like uh, like the initial like the end result wasn't perfect from the perspective of performance. Because we, the end result was that we had to render the app on the server multiple times, which is something you don't want to do. But that's like how we had to do it, because you wouldn't know what components you had down below before you had rendered the app for a single time. And then we would intercept uh, network requests and see when there are no new re- network requests made. And then we would be like, OK, now it's done. So like a very, very naive implementation.
1: Cool. Very, very like uh, Apollo's get data from tree. That's very similar.
0: Okay. And this is what I love, was like an architectural thing. And then like, I think we're going to have a lot of kind of best practices around server components and like patterns that you described. Like, that's not very obvious to like, like I've worked with React for something like five years and uncovered some quite advanced scenarios. But like like even like the idea of passing uh, components down the tree from the you know server side rendered component is not something intuitive for me so So I think there's going to be a lot of innovation as we like to call it in the react ecosystem but but it's exciting it's exciting to see like what it what it kind of enables.
1: I think that's going to end up in the like, framework level, though, most of that, that work. Like, uh, many developers are not going to have to think about passing server components down or, or, or things like that. It's going to be built into the framework that you use, uh, whether it be Next or, or a re- <coughs> Remix or something like that. Um, so, but, but it's still interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, 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 one ca- like a risk that I'm kind of imagining in my mind is the fact that when people start doing data database-, database connections from their React applications or anything that requires secrets, and those leaking into production, like th- that sort of beginner problem where you don't kind of understand the difference between the server and the and the client. Of course, like frameworks like Next even currently have a a good way of enforcing that you need to prefix the all the environment variables uh, that you use in the app but like i don't know it's interesting to see like if if we end up with great defaults where people don't get to shoot themselves in the foot by exposing stuff to the client that is not supposed to be there but I, i doubt it i doubt it though i think everyone has to make their mistakes
1: yeah, I think so too. And I wonder if that's not a good thing. I mean, it's hard to be a developer, and it's even harder to try to be a full stack developer and, and understand both sides kind of to the problem. And and if one person is doing both databases and front end, I mean, I started off like that. You probably did. And it, to to build to build an entire app, and you want to be able to do that yourself, you kind of have to to experiment with that. And I like server components because the, they, they shorten that gap. You can actually make database requests right in them. You sh- probably shouldn't in a production-grade application, at least not a larger one at a, like a big company or something. But you can start off that way and, and learn. And then at the point where you kind of feel you need to or where, where it makes sense, then you can abstract that into an API or uh, like run the database on a different server. Which is probably a good idea anyway. Um, if if you're like accessing a file system database or something like that, which is where I would start with my hundredth blog project, I haven't deployed uh, or <laughs> built to finish. But it's like it's it shortens the gap to to do those things, which I think is nice. And I also think that talking about security in server rendering, which is a really interesting subject, one of the things I've seen over and over and over is vulnerabilities in serialization where you take the data and you have to pass it down to the client somehow, which you usually do by placing all the data that you need in a JSON blob inside of the markup and then you deliver that to to the browser. If you have user content there, if you have any way for user to kind of uh, get a string into that blob you can be vulnerable to xss cross-site scripting uh, which i've seen very very many times because you can in the user can inject a script tag that does anything basically unless you you um, uh, strip that and and do things to avoid that there's there are good libraries and good uh, practices for that but with servers components that's done for you so that step is is removed you you don't serialize data Um, that's done for you and and it's done in a safe way so I think that class of um, XSS vulnerability goes away a bit with with server components which is nice Uh, but there are certainly other other issues uh, that that are still there but I think we have today as well
0: but I think it overall, like I think it's a very interesting idea that kind of, because from, I think for, at least for me, it feels that server components, React server components are going to add complexity and make working with React harder. But actually it might be that they will make React more beginner friendly because it will enable a lot of people to just learn one tool, which is React. And and they can do very simple Node.js stuff, with like within the React application. And and once they kind of learn more, then they can think about whether they will be using APRs or something. But they can actually build a full fledged app just with React in a sense, which is uh, that's a very interesting thought. And also like from my perspective, I'm seeing security nightmares like always everywhere but like the idea that actually server side components would like mitigate a risk is actually very fascinating and and now that you said it like i haven't like ever thought that i would get an xss um cross site scripting issue through the hydrated json in my markup but that is actually yeah, that that that's like very makes a lot of sense. Like that's very doable. So so and you don't get any warnings because like if you end up writing dangerously set HTML in React, then you should at least like be thinking that okay, I'm doing something maybe stupid here. But when it's like just a JSON blob in the in the body, you don't, you don't, you might not even think about it. Interesting, super interesting. Yeah, and
1: also just to mention that, just a little bit more, uh, it's, it's a bit better now. A lot of tutorials back in the day didn't mention this, and a lot of documentation didn't have this caveat, but the, a lot of them do now, which is good. Uh, I I introduced one of these myself by including query parameters from the URL in like a Redux state, because you do that, because why not? And since we didn't, uh, since we didn't uh, um, remove the, the script tag inside of, inside of that, um, you could just put a script tag in the URL bar and, and uh, execute any code in the browser basically.
0: That's a, that's a very easy way to shoot yourself in the foot. Less, lesson learned. Uh, So now I think we should cover the the topic of how should you then render your uh, uh, single page app, your React app on the server. So what are the tools that you should use or what are the tools that are available for for a person who is thinking, how should I render my React application on the server?
1: Honestly, today I... I can only recommend Next.js and Remix. Basically, Remix is still in preview and it's a paid framework, but it's looking really, really good to me. Um, I'm super excited about that. It's it does things a little bit differently than Next, and it's not for everyone. It doesn't try to to do everything that Next does, but focus on dynamic server rendering. Uh, so that's exciting, but still in preview. So today use Next. Uh, there's not a good reason not to use anything else uh, really in my mind today I, and i'm saying that having worked with several custom ssr setups and and i still am and i love that and and it's my niche but there are so many pains involved to uh, in getting that right it's decently okay to get something up and running but Doing all the things like image optimization, setting up your build in a good way, worrying about developer experience and hot reloading and getting a, like a fast build. And there are so, so I hundreds of things to to consider to get a good experience there. and And Next solves most of those. Next isn't by any means a perfect framework. I have lots of complaints about Next as well things i would love to see differently but but i mean uh you can work around all of those they're they're not uh they're not huge flaws in any in any sense um so i i can't really recommend any any other way to start doing server rendering today unless you're a very big company with very very specific needs but in that case uh, you already know this kind of um, so uh, unless you have really 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 strong arguments for for doing it yourself, go with next. You're gonna save a lot of time and headache. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think like uh, one of the things originally uh, which I had problems with regarding next.js was that it has had some, has some opinionated things like uh, uh, folder like file system based routing, which was something that people complained and I did. Uh, uh, and then they get initial props that forces you to do all the data fetching on the top level. But these constraints, they enable great stuff like uh, file system based routing uh, makes uh, bundle uh, splitting very easy. Pre-shaking very easy because Next can know that I start from here and for this route there cannot be any like imported files because it's like this this starts from here which is not easy to do with React Router for example or the and, and stuff like that and, and the get initial props well you want to do the server render on like on one run. So you need to do the, all the data fetching on the top level. So these constraints that you have with Next.js, they are annoying. Like because you'd like to have all the freedom in the world, but they are kind of uh, constraints that are you know necessary or helpful for achieving whatever you want. For example, great development experience is for me all, a lot about being able to see the changes that you do quickly, and it's a pain when you have a really big application but what Next.js does is that it only uh, transpiles the bundle of the route that you're currently in and it can do it because it's a file system based routing so they know that this is the only file that they need to touch and see and you know and and, and transpile for so it makes it quicker And, and even if you have like 100 routes it will not change the speed because it's a file system-based routing, which I used to hate. And now that I'm older, I love. So, so I think, like, I agree. Like, uh, I think the reason for me is that there is really not a use case that you couldn't do with Next.js, as you said. So the other options, like popular options, are like Gatsby for server uh, static site generation, but Next.js supports that too. Um, And unless you like are very invested in the Gatsby ecosystem and and love the GraphQL abstractions they have and need all the plugins for data sources, then, you know, Next.js is great. Uh, I think then you have Create React app, but that doesn't support server-side rendering. Um, Then you have Razzle, which is like, uh, I think it supports like pretty much all the use cases that Next.js does too, but it... Doesn't come with like batteries included, so you can use it to build like a very very good setup for yourself. But it's like uh, I actually checked it like maybe a few weeks ago. I think it's like uh, if NextJS has been downloaded like or is downloaded something like one million times per month around, approximately. Uh, I think uh, Razzle was somewhere like uh, less than a uh, um, 100 or something so so they're like uh very very like the popularity of the frameworks is very very different Uh, and then i i think like uh i think we're left with things like blitz.js and redwood which are more like uh full-fledged like i think they're full full stack um like tools in a sense that they're they're like uh compensating the parts that react server components are going to bring us
1: yeah those are interesting i'm they're still early uh, both of those blitz and, and redwood they're they're really interesting i've i've looked uh, a bit at them they're i think both are pretty inspired by Ruby on rails and the whole i mean next is battery included but you still get to choose how you fetch data you still get to choose a lot of Things like that, while Blitz and Redwood are opinionated the entire way through through the stack, including databases. In at least one of those cases, I think I can't remember which or if it's both. But um, but still early. Uh, time will tell where they where they end up. But I'm excited by both. Uh, as am I with Remix Gatsby. I've had, I mean, it. I'm sure it does. Uh, a lot of things well, I've I've tried it out myself and I, I know it does some things well, but I I can't really compare it to Next and and with good good conscious conscious uh, recommend it right now since Next does static site generation so well and what you get with Next is being able to do that per page, so if your company site has some pages that need to be updated very often or have a lot of dynamic content, you can render those dynamically while your blog that doesn't update often, you can have those pages statically generated at at build time. And that trade-off is really nice with with Next uh, today. No no offense meant to Gatsby. Gatsby is is great if all you need and all you are ever, ever going to need is static site generation. Gatsby does that really well. Um, Razzle is... Uh, very interesting as well. I use that a lot when I scaffold small experiments and, and projects. That's mostly build tooling around clients and server. Uh, it includes very minimal boilerplate for the express server that you get. Uh, and I actually have a challenge to the listeners at the end of this podcast that, uh, that involves but, uh, we'll We'll come back to that. You also have AfterJS, I think it's called, which is built on top of Rassel, I think, which is a little bit more batteries included, but I haven't checked that out in, in quite some time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, After JS is um, you, like um, server-side rendering with React Router. So if you'd like to, if you have a situation, for example, where you have an app which uses already React Router and you'd like to explore, that you could support a uh, server-side rendering wall then after JS is an interesting, like a good place to start, like to see how, how uh, the server-side rendering has been solved there together with React Router. Okay, um, <clears throat> I think we have uh, time for the last question, which is that what resources would you recommend to a front-end developer who wants to go from good to great? Uh,
1: That's a great question when it comes to server rendering, actually, because I haven't found many great resources um, that explain server rendering very well. There are a lot of them, and we'll link a few in the show notes as well. Uh, There are documentation for libraries, for example, that that also explain how stuff works. Uh, And a big thing around that is hydration, which we've mentioned and talked a little bit about, Uh, this act of passing data from the server to the client to reuse that data on on the client. And a lot of libraries like Redux or React Query um, supports that in different ways. So those documentations are interesting to read. Uh, The next JS documentation, or rather the, the tutorial, the learn, part of Next.js is is pretty good, the docs uh, too. Um, I did find reactresources.com slash topics slash server-side rendering with dashes. Uh, We'll link to that as well, uh, which gathers a bunch of resources around server-side rendering, uh, both good and bad. Funnily enough, if you go to the React documentation, you can check out the API docs and you should around React DOM server. Chances are you're not going to use that if you're using Next or a Framework, uh, as, as I recommend you do, but it that documentation is still valuable to read. But you don't have any like recipe or guide at the official React docs around server rendering at all. You only have the API docs. So that's that says something, I think, about what the priorities has been previously since they haven't used server side rendering themselves until now, which is which I'm really, really excited about uh, that they are doing now. Um, so I think that's like mostly mostly like documentation for different libraries you use and and next, of course, if you use that or whatever framework documentation that you that you have, but I don't, and of course you should follow me on Twitter at FMJS, but uh, apart from that, I don't have a great answer to that question, unfortunately.
0: Okay, how about, in, uh, about front-end development in general? Where do you yourself go when you kind of, do you follow some blogs or is there some, or is it all Twitter, the only source of truth?
1: Yeah, mostly Twitter for me. Uh, I'm not sure about Source of Truth there. Uh, a bit better after they do blocked Trump, maybe. But um, so it's a lot of Twitter for me and documentation. Uh, I don't really. I've also been on parental leave for the last six months, so I haven't really followed any resources very actively in these
0: last past months. Um, that that's a, a joy that. Only the Scandinavians can have yes be on a parental leave for six months. Yeah, it's been really nice. So, sorry if this if this was if there are other countries in the world where this is possible, but we need to have some Scandinavian brag. Yeah, it's a nice feature. That's probably one of the yeah a few things we can brag about. Okay, so and then uh, to end this, you had a challenge for people who like to learn, who'd like to learn more about server-side rendering, am I right? Or what's the twist?
1: I do, and it's a a three-part challenge. Uh, Like there's an easy mode, a medium and a hard mode. And this is all about diving into like understanding the abstractions behind server-side rendering. I think as I've repeated many times, I think uh, Next is a good option to start out today, but to really understand what Next does the easy challenge is fire up a Razzle project, uh, create a Razzle app. There's create Razzle app. We we'll link to to the documentation, and and uh, write up this challenge in the show notes as well, so you can read it there. But just create the app, go into the server.js file, and check that out. Uh, it's not. It's like a hundred lines of code, 150 maybe. And it's very enlightening. It's a very bare minimum server rendering setup that's uh, interesting to see. For the medium challenge, add React query or Redux to that and do some data fetching on the server and hydrate that to the client for a single page. Uh, And for that, read the React Query or the Redux documentation for how to do that uh, and see if you can figure out how to do that with
0: RASL. And the interesting part here in this specific medium part is that it's not so obvious as you'd think probably. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd be like, I'll just add use query from React Query. What's the thing? And you'll see once you get there. So I I like this challenge. Yes
1: yeah and and if the documentation on React query and how to do that is is bad, yell at me because I wrote it. Uh, and And I'm not really proud about that that doc page. So if you have any feedback on that, please uh, reach out. I'd love that. Uh, and for the hard part of the challenge, uh, use React Router. It's included in Russell, but it's a very bare minimum setup and add multiple pages to the, the RASL app and add a page level abstraction for data fetching. So basically imp- re-implement get initial props from next, uh, or uh, so, uh, a, a small version of that for, for two pages. So that when you navigate to, to different pages, Uh, that fetches data on the server and then on the client when you navigate to the next page and when you refresh that page the data has to be fetched from the from the server again Uh, that can be very tricky Uh, feel free to reach out by the way on on twitter if you need some help or uh, want me to look look at something Uh, that would be would be fun
0: okay so all the listeners if you get excited um, please um, take this challenge and implement your your own version, and 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 then uh, we'll add uh, Frederick's Twitter to the show notes so you can ping him until he regrets that he had this challenge. Let's hope that happens. Uh, so I, I think it's a good time to wrap up. Uh, thank you, Frederick, for joining Frontend Greatness, um, and thanks to all our listeners who joined us today or watched us on youtube and we'll see you all in a few weeks thank you
1: thanks it's been great fun
0: thanks for having me